This episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Gamers Inn, where adventure begins. Check out their website at gamersinlehigh.com. Broadcasting live from the DCR studio. Oh yeah! The Geek Revolution starts here. Excellent! Get ready for the number one hit geek radio show out there. Well, it is impressive, isn't it? Because it's time for Dungeon Crawlers Radio. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio. It's Monday, and yes, yeah, the start of the week. It is, but we got to start it off right. We do have to start it off right. Yes. So we've got some really cool stuff. We've got the Gamer Forge. Yeah. Now, this week is not as epic as last week. We only got half the, you know, the, the listener emails, but they're still rolling in, which is awesome. So thank you. As well, if you haven't already taken a look, take a look at the website. There is a very awesome post that's up there. Uh, from a guy named Joe. Yeah, there is. There is? Yeah. Aww, so, um, with that said, I'm going to start hey, this off. So, this is Revan. Hey, it's a guy named Joe. Hey, it's Wardrew. And Zakora is still doing something in the magical land of potatoes and wedding dresses. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know how she can apply her Jedi powers to wedding planning and floral arrangements. It's really simple. She's using the Jedi powers to pull the flowers over <laughs> while she's putting things together yeah. or, or or is she just going you will marry her yes <laughs> or, yeah not exactly an elaborate ceremony yeah. you, right to the point you will run out and grab me such and such <laughs> <laughs> or is she doing it to the flowers you will stick together yes although i imagine though the uh all the decor would be like the jedi temple and then like the wedding gown and the wedding tux were just jedi robes and have to come be, up with their hoods up. That would be awesome. That would be pretty dope. Dude, why didn't I do that for my wedding? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, you went with a pirate theme. Jeez. Yeah, darn. Uh, how dare I do a pirate theme huh. wedding? Yeah. I, went, I went with a tuxedo. <laughs> so that was good. Yeah. So he, he was he was he was stealing someone's daughter. Yeah. Me? No, no. Oh, Joe yeah. was. <laughs> yep. yeah, that was. That was the wedding. Time to get me booty. How many yeah. times did you say that on your wedding night? No, we got that all no. out before oh. the wedding, and so uh, yeah, no, 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 no more bad pirate puns by the time yeah. the wedding came around. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't want anybody to go and be like, we we didn't anybody want shouting R as soon as we did our vows. Let alone the wa- It was threatening to rain, and the wind was kind of weird. Yeah. Nice. But it, it worked out well, and uh, it was a good ceremony. Nice. Yeah. Congratulations. Even from though it was like well, over, yeah, yeah. well over a year ago. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> oh, man, you're still newlywed. I, pretty, Gosh, yeah, I suppose so. I'm on six years now. Crazy. Wow. All right, so <laughs> so we've got a couple things we're going to do. Yes. So we do have the Gamer Forge. Yeah. But we're ambushing a guy named Joe. <sighs> I am pre-ambushed. You are. So what we're doing is we kind of want to let you guys know who we are. And so we are going to, uh, there's going to be a small little interview with this show. 
it, it will be Wardrew and myself interviewing Joe about his geekiness and why he came to the show. So, um, some of you may like it, some of you may not. Some of you have probably wondered, who is this guy named Joe? Now you get to know. I will make it as entertaining as I possibly can. He's the most Please do. I, 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 I think, yeah. I think, you know, we need to make it fun. You know, yeah, have man. fun with this. Make it silly, whatever. I don't really care. I mean, we need to make it entertaining. Yeah. So, sure. Joe, what's your favorite cereal? What's my favorite cereal? Life. Life. Nice. Good I choice. Mean, yeah. Oh, actually, Ooh, hilariously we enough. That. Hilariously enough, the um, the off-brand uh, of Life cereal mm-hmm. is Good Choices cereal. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Really? That's what we got in my house. A whole like a bowl of Good Choices in the morning. <laughs> we got Life and Good Choices. <laughs> it's awesome. And Joe, he likes it. Alrighty. <laughs> so when I tell Heather to make good choices, she's confused. She's like, am I supposed to be responsible or get you breakfast? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I don't know, surprise Both, damn it! <laughs> uh, wow, that's awesome. That's horrible. Alright, so, <laughs> I- I'm going to ask this question. What was, you know, and this question's kind of been asked before at, at panels. So what was your first memory of d- doing or watching something that could be considered geeky? Um, well, I guess, let's see, well, here's the thing, uh, so, alright, me, my, my mother and I are not exactly on speaking terms, but okay. there are, there is one memory, though, that absolutely sticks out in my mind, was, um, back in the early to mid-80s, was the, was one of the, the one of the first animes that ever came on to American television on a regular basis, mm-hmm. which was uh, which was Robotech. Most people yeah. refer to it as Macross and its offshoots and all that jazz. Um, but it was the first show that my mom and I both liked at the same time. Totally different reasons. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I mean, I'm like four years old, so, you know, it's got giant, giant rob- robots. robots that turn into jets and yep. things blow up and there's aliens and stuff. Of course, you know, of course I love that. My mom loved it because it played out like a like a soap opera. Mm-hmm. And she found herself incredibly intrigued by it. And so that was like the, I would, because uh, I, I think it aired um, Saturday afternoons, if I remember correctly. I don't, I don't remember the exact, but it was like an afternoon show. Yeah. And that was the one time that my mom and I came together. Nice, nice. And, and we did something. You got together. your... Awesome action, pew pew, die. Yeah, she, she got her stories. Yep. She got her stories. <laughs> That's right. Because uh, I, I think Luke and Laura were broke up at the time, and so she, uh, General you know, she, Hospital. Yeah, she, yeah, she wasn't too keen on that, so there had to be a fix somewhere. Yeah, it's really sad. I know that. <laughs> so I mean, and Robo or Robotech, excuse me, was really cool because. Not only did you have a full robot mode and the jet mode, but there was also this half in between yeah, mode where it was kind of still the plane and you had the arms and the legs down and they still blast away. Yep. Uh, great series. Um, if you haven't seen it, if take not, a look. And they've kind of revamped it uh, several times too. Yeah, they've they, yeah, it's definitely got some revision over mm. the years. But is I, this pre or post Transformers? This is the uh, same time, uh, roughly the same time. Okay. Yeah. So it's just like, hey, everybody, let's do robot cartoons. Yeah. Because I think because awesome. Robotech, I think. A, uh, originally aired on American television like 85, 86. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure I watched this. 84. 84 to 85. Yeah. Well, I mean, and Robotech was actually anime. Yeah, okay. from... It okay. was actual anime. Yeah, from uh, like 79, 80, something Yeah, like and that. Transformers was an American, American cartoon, cartoon that yeah. 
we they outsourced to Japan. I'm to sure. Japan. I'm sure I watched it. I just yeah. have an absolutely horrible oh, memory. Yeah. There, you know, they had Robotech. There was Astro Boy, and amazingly enough, way back then, their Dragon Ball was actually. I well, do yeah, remember was, that being on first, TV. Was yeah. first coming on the air, and uh, Gigantor. Yeah. Uh, Gigantor. I mean, it, they didn't do the you know the color remake from the mm-hmm. early '90s yet, but they were still showing like the old black and white episodes. Yeah, and then I, if I remember right, during the Robotech time, you also had some Voltron. Um, Maybe later on in the yeah, Voltron was was about to hit it big. Yeah, I think right afterwards after the after the success of of uh, of Robotech. Yeah. So I mean that's that's really cool. So your question. Yeah. Um. I want to know all about your wrestling training. You want to know about that? There's not a whole lot to it. Yeah. It I I, I want to know like. Okay, let, so, let's start with how you got into professional wrestling as, like, loving to watch it. Okay. Who your favorite wrestler was. Sure. And then your experience with the with the training. Okay. So, so I guess my love for it began, um, uh, my friend, uh, my friend Bill, actually, because I, well, actually, it probably wasn't even, the, the, the genesis of it really began when, um, our, uh, our old co-host Malik, his, his grandfather was one of the premier wrestlers back in the 1950s, 50s, and, I think 50s and early 60s. Yeah, wow. And then he got, uh, or even, no, because he got sent over to, because um, he fought in World War Two. Okay. And so, but, so he was, he was wrestling before that. Um, and so, but he would show us some of his old videos, his old vintage clips and stuff like Very that. Cool. He had these reels of, of stuff like that. And at the time I didn't, think a whole lot of it because yeah. i was still like you know 10 10 or 11 but i didn't really start getting way into it until around 90 96 97 i was just like it barely hitting middle school and i think the whole monday night wars were were starting on television between tnt it's on monday nitro and and, and uh, wwf at the time and some of their product that they were putting out was just spectacular and for some reason, oh gosh, I can't even like. There was one one night I watched, and for some reason, it it captured my imagination. Okay. I believe I was watching, uh, I was watching Bret Hart and um, and the the Hitman. Yeah, Bret the Hitman Hart and uh, and the British Bulldog, <laughs> and they were they were they were they had a match one night, and it was. Like and I didn't know who either of them were at the time, but it captured my imagination. So I just kind of kept watching every Monday night, and then I heard about this other program called Monday Nitro that came on, and then I watched. Um, and again, that's like, uh, who, you know, it's like four of these guys. It's like I recognize Hulk Hogan, but like, oh, who, yeah. who, who, who the hell's Ric Flair? I don't care who this guy is. And, <laughs> he's uh, such a jerk. Yeah, he seems like such a such a. Dickwad. Woo! <laughs> but um, yeah. See so that 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 eventually grew up. I'm not gonna lie. The woo thing and the styling and profiling. And that all that really got. Ric Flair's a love or hate type of guy. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I've I've heard some bad stories about the guy. Yeah. I've heard good stories about the guy too. But like he's done some things in the past. Yeah. But so um. But then I watched Monday Nitro and I watched um. And then this was when they first started featuring uh, uh, Lucha Libre and their cruiserweight wrestlers, mm-hmm. and that is what really sparked it for me because okay. it was like because there was these fast, you know, they're they're smaller guys, yeah. which I wasn't used to seeing. Yeah. And then they were, but they were much faster, much more daring, acrobatic. I watched them fly off the top rope, and I'm like, 
wow, this is really cool. Yeah. All right, I'll, <laughs> all right, you've got my attention. And so then I, uh, I just kept, I kept watching and watching and watching. And then um, 1998, I was watching an ECW pay-per-view. I had just heard about this promotion. It was from back east. And, you know, they had exploded on the scene. And, and my friend Bill, he's just like, oh, you've got to see this, this, this tape I traded for. Because back then, you know, the internet wasn't really a thing. It was all yeah. tape trading. It was all in uh, in Al Gore's head still. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was still a glimmer, little little glimmer in his eye. But we watched. Um, so I watched this this pay per view called. Um, um, oh gosh, right? it was a uh, Heat Wave. I think it was Heat Wave '97. No, um, uh, barely legal. I think it was called Barely Legal. <laughs> and I watched it. I've seen a couple of those. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, but, but um, but we we saw this and there was this this match that was uh, it was uh, Sandman versus Sabu and it was like incredibly violent and there was a part where Sabu stabs the Sandman in the head with a pair of scissors and I'm like for real no way uh uh-uh, uh this is that's nasty and so you know so I kept watching some of their other tapes and then they started having this their weekly show every Friday night but then um one. But, uh, yeah, 1998, though, I watched this, um, one of their pay-per-views on pay-per-view. I was watching it. Um, but it was uh, Hardcore Heaven 98, and it featured um, uh, Rob Van Dam, who was my favorite one, my favorite wrestler mm-hmm. at the time, uh, versus his kind of longtime rival, Jerry Lynn. And there was this huge backstory going on about it, how, like, Van Dam was on top of the world. He'd been the champ for, like, a year and a half straight. No one could beat him. All the top guys were trying to beat him, okay. and no one could. And Jerry Lynn was, like, this young, you know, well, he wasn't young. He was, but he was, like, this upstart, this mid-carter. No one thought much of him, but he worked really, really hard, and he had this really good reputation with the fans. And if there was anything that they did well was they paid attention to the fans. And so they said, okay, well, Jerry... They they put a, they put Jerry against against Van Dam and their first meeting was earlier in the year they had a match and it was just off the chain it was like a thirty minute time limit draw and it was all over the place and it just it was well executed so they gave huh. so they gave Jerry Lynn a second chance at Hardcore Heaven and it was even better like nice. they, they it just was like and this wasn't even the main event this was mm-hmm. like third from the main event. And this was far better than anything else that had huh. happened that year on any promotion, in any organization. This was the match of the year. But when that match was over, I like I I just I feel like I ran out into like the living room and went to my dad and I'm just like, Okay, this is what I wanna do. I'm going to this is what I wanna do for a living. Nice. I must like this is where it's gonna go. And so then I started really looking into it. I started like figuring out what like what my diet had to be, what the physical regimen had to be, um, you know, studying where I could go because at the time there wasn't a place in Utah. Yeah. It was all it was all back east, or there was a few places in the, out in California, but that was like ridiculously expensive. And so um, and so I, I kept hard at it, and then and as I was going to college, I um, an opportunity came up. As I was as I was working my part time job, um, and um, but somebody uh, somebody came in who was with the with the promotion that just opened up in Utah. Hmm. It had been operating for a little over a year, I think, at the time. And he's just like you know, he's just like yeah, he's like I'm 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 a wrestler for for such and such promotion. I won't I won't name him because we kind of had a bad fault. Okay. Guy, so. Okay. Um, 
But I said, I work with this. So, yeah, we've been doing this for, for such a long time. You should come down and see us. And so I'm like, all right, cool. You know, I, love, you know, I went down. And, you know, me and my friend, we paid for tickets. We watched them. And we're like, oh, wow, this was this is kind of neat. All right. So we went to go see another show. And then for my for college, I did um, television production. And so we went down and for one of my projects, we filmed one of the shows sure. for them. Yeah. And so then, you know, and then afterwards... You know, we you know we got to talking with them, and they said, you know, hey, you should, you should show up, and and so uh, so uh, so Will introduced me to the rest of the rest of the group, and um, and I just started showing up. Cool. And then, it wasn't it wasn't exactly an elaborate process. Okay. To, yeah. Okay. Before it was just. Did I you just rack became... house? Like, did you get in and, and tussle with them a little bit? Oh yeah. Nice. Oh yeah, I got I got in. They actually they wanted to call me the natural. The natural. They wanted to call me the natural because it was just. Because I got in there and I just, because I I had been studying it for so long and so yeah. I, so when they said okay go in there and take a flip bump and I just flipped right onto my back and took it all exactly right and they're like wow no one usually people are smacking the back of their heads nice. and coming yeah. back with a concussion <laughs> and so and and so I just kind of took right to it and then they're like they and then I'm like okay well what can I do now like what is you know what's the process here. And they're like, wow, we, we like your initiative here. You, you want to get in there? You want to pay your dues? Because that's one thing that was that it was about. It was all about paying your dues. Sure. You get in there, and so like you had to, you know, you're running rope drills for 30 minutes at a time. You work in your cardio like it's nothing else, and yeah. running your back till it's raw. Mm-hmm. And then you're taking chops in the corner from everybody until you can't take it anymore. <laughs> and I was just in there, and I'm like, yeah, let's let's keep doing this. This is awesome. Smack me in the face again. Yeah, just do this. <laughs> you know, and then uh, and they would they tease me for my Popeye face. <laughs> there you go. Because uh, whenever I would whenever I'd be on the whenever I get slammed on the mat, they'd be like, okay, this you know this is how you gotta do it. And then if, you know when you know when it hurts, and so I'm you know I'm slammed on the ground on my back and stuff, and I would wince like, and I'd make this scrunch on my face like Popeye. <laughs> <laughs> and so awesome, man. So there you go. That, that that's the story behind it. Nah, nothing. Uh, so who is your favorite? Who's my favorite right now? Or um, all ball time. All, I'd ball say all time. time. Of all time. See, that's always that's one that's <clears throat> always up for debate. Sure. Because or just give me as, a couple. As the business changes. Sure. Um, um, see, right now, currently, I am absolutely, I'm absolutely down with CM Punk. He yeah. he changed how the business runs, and I kind of always had a feeling he signifies one of the few times where I was actually right in a prediction. Nice. Usually, I'm so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um. I would say probably um, uh, Shawn Michaels for sure, mm-hmm. and Bret Hart. I would be absolutely wrong if I didn't say Bret Hart in that. And then you just like the pelvic thrusting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was not the answer I expected you to get. <laughs> then um, um, let's see here. I would say. Um, Uh, see, I think uh, I would I definitely I would say probably AJ Styles has been a huge a huge influence of mine and Christopher Daniels, mm-hmm. who was my biggest influence because like he was the one I wanted to really emulate the most. Man, nice. So in depth, yeah. With a guy yeah. named Joe. That is. There you go. Great well, answer. Yeah, I mean that, that was great. So <laughs> everyone will now know Joe is a huge wrestling geek, and more than just staring and watching, he really got in there. Yeah. Uh, and if you uh, body slam him, he'll look like Popeye. I will look yeah. like Popeye. 
Apparently, we need to change his name from a guy named Joe to The Natural. The Natural. <laughs> I like it. Can we, can we just give him five levels of The Natural? Yeah, we could do that. We should. So this is this is how much of a how much of a geek I was. So when they when they uh, when we were talking about character, mm-hmm. and I'm like. I like the natural, huh? And I'm like, because there are certain moves that I yeah. wanted to have in my arsenal. And so, and being a huge D&D nerd, I'm like, yeah. okay, my finishing move has to be the natural 20. The nice. natural 20. And then they asked about it. And I'm like, well, what does natural 20 mean? And it's just like, well, it's in D&D when you roll natural 20, it's a critical hit. And they're like, that makes a lot of sense, yeah, yeah, actually. And mm-hmm. then when I told them what the move was, because the move was called, oh, it at the time had a the colloquial term, roll the dice, mm-hmm. which... Made even yeah. more sense. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, nice. it, it just it, it just it, works. It, it totally fits. Nice. nice. So, so all right. So we're we're gonna kind of wrap this up uh, with one last question, and sure. we may do this more times. Uh, you'll hear some from Zakora, Drew, and myself. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna do these quite a bit, so you guys can get to know us. So, what is it that made you decide to join the DCR crew and stay? Because I mean, let's face it, other than myself, you've been here longer than anyone else at the table. That, Good point. Challenge um, accepted. Yeah. You know, as all good adventures do, it started with a question. <laughs> it did. It did start. It started with a question. So I, I mean, because at, at first I wasn't exactly sold on the idea of DCR. Mm-hmm. The way the way that that um, that uh, Malik was kind of selling me on yeah. it, I was like, that doesn't sound like it would work. Yeah. And uh, so I was like, I, I didn't think much of it. But then one night, you know, when I was uh, I was just over at his house, and he says, "Hey, we're going to the show, or I'm going to be doing the show in half an hour." Do you? It's like, do you want to come with? And I'm like, eh, "Sure, why not?" <laughs> it really was. It was. Just, yeah. It was that. It was just that one question, and I said, "Sure, let's do it." And I showed up, and you know, and the, at the you know at the time we were broadcasting from somewhere else, and yeah. you know, I'm like, and it's like, okay, this is stuff I'm familiar with. I've seen you know this equipment before. I'm familiar with working it. And and I just kind of kept showing up for you know week after week, and then I'm like, again, still didn't quite think a whole lot of it. But then we had that 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 first time I got to interview uh, uh, Bob Salvatore. Oh yeah. And that's when I like on the way home, I'm like, I'm I'm talking with I'm talking with Mal in the in the, in the truck ride home, and I'm like, all right. I'm sold. Let, <laughs> let's see where we can take this. This yeah. is this was good. This well, was really good. yeah. You know, and the the kind of part that Joe was struggling with is, at that time, he had no clue who I was. Yeah. And the only reference point he had of how the successful this show would be was from Malik. You know, and, you know, great guy, but he didn't have a real solid track record of completing things, I guess, it, it, mm-hmm. know, is, is a good way to say it. Um, and so... You know, and Joe and I have talked about this several times. He was kind of like, eh, I just wasn't sure. You know, and then after a few times, like, then I saw the vision. And I saw the driving force. And I was hooked. So, and it, and, well, let's see, it's uh, five years now? Five years now. Yeah. Wow. Joe's been on the show and still <laughs> going strong. And we've evolved. We've taken our bumps and our bruises. And he's still here. And we just... Yeah, we, we keep Some going. Some of us more than others. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. So that was kind of a look at a guy named Joe, uh, the natural. <laughs> the natural. Joey Bojangles. Yes. The natural. So uh, we'll be doing this some more, uh, like I said. But we're gonna jump into some Gamer Forge. I mean, no, this was this was really fun. It was we got to you know get to hear a little 
from I'm Joe. I'm surprised that we, the time went by that oh, fast. Oh, I, I did. We were... No, seriously. We're, we're, the show is almost half over. Just from that. Crazy. So, um, yeah. with that, you know, right. again, if you guys have any questions, because we're going to do these. We may not, we're not, may not be doing them every week, but if you guys have some questions you want to throw out, yeah. you know, send them in. Info That's at DenverCrawlerRadio.com, and then we'll ask your questions, because maybe you want to know something about Revit. Or, or Drew, yeah. or Zakora, or The Natural, That's, and we'll throw them out. See, now you're going to keep it up, aren't you? <laughs> I am. I, keep I it am up. All right. going to rack my brain until, until whenever I get interviewed, because I need to come up with some sort of nickname. Some nickname. I have a nickname that there is absolutely no way I can talk about on the show. But other than that, <laughs> I, need to, I need to make up a story about a nickname. The Bouncer. <laughs> nah. No. I was, I, yeah, no. <laughs> we can talk about all of that no, at a different fine. time, but um, I'm really gonna be racking like, I, I, it's gonna be like the coolest nickname. Ever. All right, like I came yeah. in with no name. You guys all had these names. I'm, I'm Drew. I'm Drew. No, that's okay. Yeah, you know? I, I, had, I fought against having a name. Like, <laughs> Rev and Mal were all about. It's like, oh yeah, you need a moniker, and I'm just like, he's like, no, I'm like, okay, you're a guy named Joe. I do have. I actually have a really good question for Joe, but go ahead, ask it real quick. Oh, we, okay. I just want to know. Uh, what? Who's the your very most favorite character you've ever played in an RPG? Oh, that you, not a game, but that you played pen and paper. That I have played. Mm-hmm. Finally, someone asks. Oh, and, and I just blow this show. I and and we do need to keep it short. <laughs> <laughs> keep it short. Yes. Okay. So I um um I used to play an old um an old second edition game. Mm-hmm. Um, my my uh, my old friend Tom Urban actually ran it for us for many many years, um, but I think my favorite character of all time was um, her name was uh, well her original well when she was first introduced her name she was called Bastion it was kind of a misnomer because she was violent angry um, kind of uh, kind of flippant with authority. Okay. And, and an assassin. Okay. You know, I mean, like, looking at, at just class right there. She was an assassin. Okay. She had no business hanging around the likes of of a friar and a monk. <laughs> she had no business doing that. Like, by all accounts, she should have been their worst enemy. At the very, at the, at the very least, she should have been thrown in jail by those two. Um, but I think over the course of the game, Nora became so inseparable... From the friar, um, to, because uh, she, because eventually she did reveal her actual name, and it was a big, it was a. We spent an entire game session coming with the repercussions of revealing her actual yeah. name because she was fully redeemed mm-hmm. at that point. She she was like forsaking that old past, and she's like, no, I'm turning over a new leaf, and doing so, this is my real name, and it was a huge fallout, and so. So, so Nora and Friar Eustace, after that point, you know, once everything had kind of healed and we gelled, and the two of them became like inseparable. They're like, they, you know, they're they're joined at the hip. Like Tom, Tom won't even run that game unless both of us are there. Yeah. Because all the other characters are transient; they can come and go. Oh, but sure. they, like, he to his own admission was like, huh. yeah, this was the best story that was ever woven, and and he bows to us each time and it's like and it, thanks in, in in like so the so kind of the the kernel of all of that was the fact that you had this redemption story with your character yeah and the bond that she created with 
likely the person you know that would have hated her most originally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it was, but it was so organic. It was yeah. so. I mean, to overuse the term, it was so natural <laughs> hey, that he, he ties it in. Yeah, ties <laughs> it all back in. But is um, but it, it it like without there was no forcing any of that. It yeah. just the whole thing just kind of played out over time, and I that's the part I appreciate most, and that's the sort of thing that I'm always wanting to live up to. Cool, very cool. Uh, so let's uh, let's switch well, let's gears. To, yeah, let's switch gears. Dive into, into Gamer Forge. Rob, I can get the first one here. All right, go so, on. Sweet. Uh, the Do first it. one is from Stephen Smith. Um, this is a ranks in fifth edition question. Sure. It says I am a bit confused about skills in Five E. It seems to me that there are no more skills and no more ranks. So, for instance, you no longer have acrobatics that you can add points to at you, as you level. Am I missing something? Can characters really not improve as they level except by putting points in the ability? So this is, uh, I mean, this is, I think what we're finding, and this is a common theme, that there are various iterations of this question coming in week yeah. after week because 5th edition is really changing how how you build a character. Well, it really has yeah. changed the foundations in, of the character because, I mean, skills have been there forever. I mean, yeah. you've had them in second, you've had them in third, you've had them in fourth, and now fifth kind of says, you still have them, but now they don't really go up. You're, yeah. you're proficient in them, so you get your proficiency bonus, and then the ability modifier and that's really adds all, to that, and that's it. Yeah, that's, that's all you wrote. Um, and those are, and, uh, you know, you do get ability modifiers quite a bit in the game, so that's bumping the, that up, but... It really changes that because in the past you have had those ranks where you could, you know, you could you could be ridiculously good at picking locks yeah. and then have no skill at all at tying a rope. Yeah, or riding a horse or swimming yeah. or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it brings a lot of balance, and the reason I really think they brought this balance is because then you have what's called the advantage and disadvantage, mm-hmm. and that really ties in. So if you're in a place where you know it's a re- you really know the lock and so forth. You can get advantage on that. Yeah. And so you get the better of the two roles. So I really think you don't need those ranks anymore. Yeah. And and I think more I think more important this is what's kind of sold me on the idea was the idea that when you're you're going out and you're adventuring as a hero, you're not completely stupid at certain things. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like if you're an adventurer it's assumed that you can pretty much ride a horse. Yeah. It's assumed that you can jump. You, know, it's you can tie like, a rope. Yeah, you could you can swim <laughs> for you know uh, for some distance. Yeah. Whereas in previous editions, it's like you 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 kind of lose that action hero uh-huh. feeling because it's like because you only get like three skill points per level and you have to put them in certain areas if you want to make your prestige class and and it's like but I want my hero to be doing this 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 mm-hmm. this this and this not yeah. this. And yeah. maybe that. Well, and, and I think that's one thing that 5th edition has really brought back to the fourth point is your character is an action hero. Yeah. It is the star of this movie, and he has... He's he's not your average guy. You know, yeah. Even if... Well, let's... Even at first even level, if he, you yeah, are not average. Even he's, if you built him so that he is a weakling, he's still a superhero yeah. action star. Um, and so they've thrown out all that stuff that's just, in, in my mind, useless. That kind of took away from the game... And you, because you had to do a lot of metagaming with with those skills, mm-hmm. you know, because you're thinking ahead. Yeah. You know, now you don't have to. That's all out the door. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the big thing is that um, 
with 3-5, when I built a character to start a campaign, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I built a character from 1 to 20. Yeah. Right? And it's like, okay, at 5th level, I'm prestige classing into this. Or I'm mm-hmm. going to multi-class because I have to hit my prestige yep. at 7 mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. It, you know, so it, it, this, it, it just kind of goes out the window now. You're not, you don't have to drive how you build a character just to hit other things. Yes. It's just, so to directly answer the question... Uh, there are no skill points anymore. There's just the ability to be proficient in a skill. Mm-hmm. And if you're proficient in the skill, you have your proficiency bonus plus the ability that relates to it, mm-hmm. right? And that's your role. And so you can, as you level up occasionally, uh, instead of taking an ability point increase, you can take a feat package or take skill proficiencies as a way to get access to more skills. And a lot of the feat packages give you skill proficiency yeah. as part of it. Yeah. Um, so you have that as a way to become more proficient in the skills. But and the, this is the other thing that, that I like about it is that, um, you know, you would you would level up and get 8 or 10 or 15 points to spend on skills in 3-5. And it'd be like, oh, cool, uh, I'm going to put 8 points into... Um, like lock picks, mm-hmm. right? Like lock picking, even though you didn't pick a damn lock, but in this whole level, you never once picked a lock, but you could still throw points into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, if you're proficient, good. Everything is based on your proficiency at what you do, getting better and better over time. And that's your rise of heroics right yeah. there. Okay. Um, so I can get the next one. The Go ahead. rise uh, of heroics. I like that. Ooh. I, I just came up with it, but let's coin it. Uh, this <laughs> this one's from Kevin Matthewson. Uh, this is a Pathfinder question. Okay. Uh, full disclosure, we actually went we out. We looked this up. Yeah. yeah, we looked it up. We went out and talked to, to Nathan, the GM of Gamers Inn in Lehigh, uh, who knows Pathfinder in and out. And I was like, hey, I got this question. Um, do you know where I can look up this rule on poisons? And he's like, oh, yeah, that's um, towards the end. It's like 450, like page 450. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I mean, to you know, just to keep it real, it's four, page four seventy seven. So he was off by twenty seven pages. <laughs> um, but no, Nathan. But who's keeping count? Na- yeah. Nathan really knows his Pathfinder stuff. So it says, okay, I have a rather interesting Pathfinder question. I've been pondering for some time. Maybe you can give us some insight. Deflect arrow says the attack technically hits you, but you take no damage. Would the deflector still be poisoned if the arrow had contact poison on it? What are your thoughts? So the idea is. I'm this person, and I cast Deflect Arrow to mm-hmm. avoid being shot mm-hmm. with a bow. The arrow still hits me, but I take no damage. Mm-hmm. Does Contact Poison affect me? And Contact Poison is poison that takes effect as soon as it contacts with yeah. skin. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, this is a really good solid question because, yeah. you know, it does state tentacles. you get hit. So mm-hmm. we know the arrow does pierce or graze the body, mm-hmm. and you take no damage. And that's more more likely what's happened, is it's grazed it, so it, there's a cut, but it's nothing... It's superficial. Yeah, it's superficial. Yeah. But there is that contact poison on there. So now, do you still take damage from that? You know, this is one of those, I have to say, it's the DM's decision. Yeah. Because you know, there is no official rule that says yes or no, and it's really going to be the DM to decide, you know, me as a DM, I'd say, yeah. I mean, the the poison, the magic spell you enacted did not stop the poison. It just stopped the arrow from piercing your heart yeah. or whatever. Uh, that, and that's my opinion. I don't know yeah. what your guys' is. Um, I would say, I, I would... I would not. I would be a little hesitant, of course, to give a catch-all answer uh-huh. because it would certainly depend on who you're targeting. Because somebody who's wearing 
let's say like a full plate armor. You know, but yeah, yes. In that case, does, right. yeah, the arrow would hit you and does no damage. Yeah. But with all the chain, the the chain, the the links mm -hmm. and all. Well, the yeah, armor in that case, that, definitely no. Yeah, but if somebody is wearing maybe like lighter armor, like uh, what's like some quilted armor, some leather armor. Mm -hmm. Leather armor even is kind of stretching it, but like le who is less armored, yeah, the odds of that would probably go way up. Yeah, yeah. and then that feeds into my answer. I would say um, it. I would say it kind of depends on the situation. Part of it is a little DM decision, but to me, getting hit and taking no damage um, means that yeah, hey, guess what? It you know it stuck in my armor, or <laughs> it's stuck in my shield, or um, you know maybe. I mean, it could graze you without the tip hitting you, right? Yeah, like, the, sure. the shaft of the arrow could bounce off your shoulder or something like that. Um, so I would say this could be a cool opportunity for percentile, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, oh, you have leather armor. You have a 20, you know, you have a 50% chance that this actually nicks you and then the contact poison takes effect. Yeah. But if you have plate armor, there's only a 10% chance or yeah. something like that. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a discussion between you and the DM. Um, but I like the idea of introducing a percentage or, or no, a I mean, chance the per of... the percentage is sure. definitely something you should add in yeah. with armor. I mean, because you're right. If he's wearing full plate, the chances of getting nicked by the arrow are like definitely shrink. Cool. You know, chainmail even more. But when you get down to those lighter armors, uh, you know, quilted, padded, or uh, leather, then mm -hmm. your risk of actually coming in contact with that poison definitely increases. Now, sure. You know, in context it does say deflect arrow, which I would assume means that you're a spellcaster of some sort, right? Like, I'm most a spell... Likely, yeah. Most likely, I mean, obviously could buff somebody else, yeah. but I'm, I'm a spellcaster, I'm gonna cast deflect mm. arrow, so I would say at that point it's like, man, your wizard's robes really yeah. aren't going to help you out a bunch, but yeah. maybe you get a 5 or 10% chance that it, like, you know, shoots through your robe in your armpit and misses you, but yeah. it's, yeah. you know, something like that. Yeah, or, you know, maybe it's a magical item yeah. that you can have so many charges or the, yeah. you can do it so many times a day. So, you know, there are those options, but I would say if it is on a character that has armor, the more protective the armor, mm -hmm. I would say the percentage of being nicked by the contact poison definitely goes down. Yeah. Um, the lighter the armor, that goes up. Uh, if you're definitely a wizard... Well, if there is a magic item that lets me deflect arrows a certain amount of time of day, I yeah. want that. I mean, if you're a wizard in robes, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what what they really need is a uh, what they call the Bloodless in uh, the yeah. Name of the Wind series, right? It's a little contraption that Kaboth invents yeah. that um, uses the opposition of force so that if something really fast comes at you, there's an opposition of force that stops it. And so, nice. Yeah, it's... It's, I mean, that's just a little pathos. Patrick Rothfuss tribute. All right, I'm going to go on with... I'm going to jump on this one. Boblin the King. Or Boblin King. Boblin? The Boblin King. Uh, I'm looking for a fantasy setting which should fit these rather specific key points. Overall, dark feeling. Hero. This will be a monster hunter's game. Hero. So heroic silliness, a comic book feel... And so on are unwanted. They Hero. shouldn't be a full grim dark setting, but life is short and cruel, and there are monsters out there, and so, some of them people. Important, uh, important point. This doesn't mean realism or low fantasy. There should be magic and the possibility to become a great hero. It's just that becoming a great villain is so much easier. Pre-made and detailed. I would like to leave world building to someone else. I suck at it. The more pre-written material, the better. To non 
No non-human Tolkien races, elves, dwarves, orcs, uh, derivatives, only humans and the monsters around them, both wild and human-related. Magic is pre present and relatively uh, powerful, as in high fantasy, as are supernatural abilities and powers, not based on Earth, uh, see, not urban fantasy, medieval tech le level, I would say it would be like World of Darkness, but more fantasy-like and less monster-centered. No World of Darkness, Dark Ages, please, it's not high magic enough. Focuses too much on the monsters instead of the humans. Oh. Okay, so that throws out all my. Dang it. So my this is why I, I wanted to find this one. This one is perfect. Uh, it is Shadows of Estrin. Uh, we interviewed these guys at Gen Con two years ago. It is a very dark, grim, uh, epic fantasy setting. It has magic. It has humans only. It doesn't have those extra races, and it definitely has. Those dark type monsters. Always play the race card. Um, it's definitely, <laughs> definitely right in your will box. Um, yeah. This is how they this is how they describe it. Shadows of Estern is a medieval world with a horror and gothic influence, uh, declined on several media, role playing, and video games and music. So they they have they're working on video games and other things. But this is perfect. Yeah. I mean, look yeah. the books. The covers, the artwork in it, everything. I mean, you just open this up and it's just like you get the chills just reading through the manual because it's like, oh my gosh, this is dark and scary. It makes Ravenloft look like a playground. Yeah, and it's, I mean, so the, so let's talk about this for a second. Um, uh, well, I had another suggestion. I missed the last portion where they said in the world of darkness. Mm -hmm. I, Hunter the Vigil would, would fit your bill pretty closely yeah, i think as well mm -hmm. uh, so hunter the vigil would be uh one of the settings in world of darkness that that could be used um but so shadows of estrin it was it, this was fantastic and i'm going to tell this story because it's hilarious so uh we have our rpg savant friend adam bar <laughs> of gallant night games uh and alan is is fantastic the dude owns over 400 RPG books. He has, yeah. he has a spreadsheet that catalogs them all, and I've seen this with my own eyes. It's amazing. Um, but and he, Drew thought I had a lot of yeah, role-playing books. Had to, he I had, had to log out. I had to carry yours. If Alan asked me to help him move, I'm not doing it. So, um, but but it, we were sitting here reading this question, and we're like, man, what is this? And Rev's over here like, gosh, I know this game. I know the game that's perfect, but I can't. I just can't think of the name of it. So... I literally called Alan, and he goes, hey, man, what's up? I said, okay, uh, French company making an arch RPG that is epic high fantasy super dark. And he's like, oh, dude, Shadows of Estrin. It was, like, <laughs> it was less than a and second. And I'm like, yeah, yeah that's it. Time. Yeah, two yeah, yeah. So, so, so it was, here's, here's an epic dark fantasy RPG made in France. Oh, Shadows of Estrin. And he goes, by the way, they're doing a Kickstarter. Yeah, and they are right, right now. now. I'm actually looking at it. Um, <laughs> I mean, this dude is just, so, he is a freaking savant. So they have RPG. five days to go. They have over 809 backers. Their goal was $20,000. They have $97,868 right Hope they have some good stretch goals. Um, they do. They, they have do. tons of them. Yep. Now, they've got a much better tag of what this is. So Shadows of Estrin is a medieval role-playing game somewhere between Ravenloft, Game of Thrones, and Call of Cthulhu. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This so, perfectly fits your bill. So, so what I would say is that this is going to be the closest fit of what you're looking for. Yeah. Your, your criteria uh, is super, super specific, which is awesome. Um, but you got to understand, this is a newer game, so um, they may not have all the world building done for you. No, actually, they do. Oh, yeah. So they are these stretch goals. Yeah. So okay. two years ago, they released the core books. Okay. So these are additional stuff <laughs> on top of that. So. Um, this is a really sweet system. 
uh, and it is a really good world that you would probably have a lot of fun in, based I, on what you're you're asking for. I want to yeah. I want to get this game. Like I'm looking at it right now. I am probably going to back this project. So uh, it, uh, it is sweet. So it's Shadows of Esteren, and that's E S T. E-R-E-N. And you can check them out at Kickstarter, and then from Kickstarter, I'm sure you can get to their webpage and yes. all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there you go. Um, I think, and Rev is exactly right, I think this is spot on yeah. for you. Yeah, pretty much what you I mean, what I was reading, there, there, there are like, other oh, ones. What is it? Yeah. There are other ones that you can easily adapt. Sure. If, yeah. you're, not, if you're not really feeling like you want to learn mm-hmm. a new system, or maybe there's one on the shelf that you've always wanted to to pick yeah. up I, and, and try. I have an oddball one too. Um, it, it's it's fantasy. It may not be mm-hmm. epic high fantasy, uh, and it's completely different than what you're thinking. Uh, but that would be Shadowrun, right? You could strip the races out of it, yeah, and just do a human only Shadowrun. Yeah, There's but Shadowrun has a lot of tech, and he well, he said he didn't want. The oh, tech. he didn't want tech. Yeah. Okay, I missed that part of it too. So, I see. Um, okay. Because the, I mean, I remember reading a. Shadowrun book um, that that was a guy that hunted for, a, I mean, like the main character was a hunter, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're doing this big game hunting stuff, you can take, I mean, you could take D&D 5th edition, you could strip out the races from it. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, I mean, you got awesome. all the big game you want to hunt, and you can put it, but again, that comes to, to world building. So uh, all this criteria, I think Shadows of Astron is probably spot on. Probably yeah. Best, yeah, he says best, here, best. medieval tech level. Oh, medieval tech yeah. level. So, I mean, so. I, w- I would think that, um, and then I was going to say, um, uh, Iron Kingdoms would be pretty darn close. Iron Kingdoms could work. Yeah. Like, it really long, could. As long as you're okay with, like, this, the, the partial steampunk mm-hmm. element going yeah. in there. You know, then you're also good because the world's already the the world's, the world's built. They've more got, than built. Yeah, they've got a lot of adventures. Now you do have more than just the human element as far as races, but you could but easily and you're right, not much, and you could easily take those races out. Yeah, it would be it would be more than easy yeah. to say okay. The, the Nis and the Iops are now kind of out of the picture. Yeah. Dwarves are less than commonplace. Yeah. Gobbers are just kind of always around. And yeah. the Ogren are kind of always around. And you just don't play those characters. Well, yeah, yeah. Because, like, I mean, like Ogren, Ogrens are close to human. Yeah. Like, they're just extra big. Yeah. Extra and big massively human. strong. Yeah. And then, like, yeah. but, you know, and, but they're, but, like, otherwise, statistically, they're pretty darn close. Nice. And same I, with the elves and, and the gobbers are kind of. Well, they're a little All right. Well, we're we're dra- draining down on our time. We have two left. These are going to be really quick and easy. So Samantha Jones writes in, uh, writes in. Excuse me. Okay, I'm trying to figure out if this will work for my druid or not. Okay. Basically, this is what I am thinking with my druid. I want to start summoning swarms for the rogue in our party to use as a flanking buddy. Would this work? This is three five. This yeah, the three, three five, five question. The reason we know this is because that's in the subject. Sorry, yeah, folks. That's all okay. good. Um, so the answer is yeah. 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 Um, yeah, because as long as the um, because as long as you are not being observed mm-hmm. and you are like attacking from behind, yeah, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to. And a swarm would definitely be inflicting damage and. Yeah. taking a, a creature's attention. Yeah, it, it's assumed that if you are if you're in base-to-base contact with a with an enemy that you your attention is occupied by that, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're not I mean, I guess they could make, you know, they could make a perception check uh, at a negative something mm-hmm. to, to try to notice it, but um, I believe how flanking works is if you're engaged to hand-to-hand with somebody or in base-to-base contact, mm-hmm. 
then uh, anybody else that comes in from the side or the back, you get the flanking bonus. Is yes. that right? Yeah, that's so, pretty much it. And so, like, if you're looking at it as a miniature on the board interpretation of it, if the swarm is in base to base contact with that character, then the other sides of that are flanking bonus, and so right. that would trigger the rogue's abilities yes. perfectly. Yeah, I, it's, yeah it's, it's it's awesome. No, you know, and it, it is a really good idea. I know, and I like it when players are thinking outside the box. Yeah, because but more importantly, using teamwork. Yeah, yeah. You know, and she's using a spell to assist another team member. Yeah. So I mean, prop. You know, so Samantha, prop, props to you, yeah. and uh, yeah. definitely you can do this. Yeah, that is. That is, I love hearing about stuff like yeah, that. I yeah, love hearing stories sure. about them working together and making things better. So I, I've left this one last because this one just sounds fun. Just, and mostly <laughs> just because of the name. This is from a rather devious DM. Okay. Uh, okay, Dungeon Crawls, I really need your advice. In my D&D 4th edition group, they will stumble upon a Sphere of Annihilation Tomb of Horrors in the near future. Awesome. They just don't know it yet. Unless the wizard calls for an arcane check. Now I, the DM, have warned them up front that the gloves are off from two sessions ago. So I am assuming the worst and that someone is going to stick an arm in. Not necessarily their own. Since the 4th edition version <laughs> is too friendly for my taste, I have opted for the uh, 3.x version. A.K.A. you jump in equals you die. The question is, what happens if someone just sticks their arm in, rather than jumping in outright? Do I call instant death via sucked-in disintegration? Do they lose said limb and similar damage as the Eye of Venica ritual? The, effect, uh, the actual effect of the SOA isn't really described, which leaves a lot open to the DM's interpretation, which places me in the bind as whether to PK or grievously main. Please help me out here. Huh. So well, for those of you that don't know what PK, yeah, for those of you that don't know what PK is, it's uh, party kill, <laughs> or player kill, or yeah, player so kill. TPK. Um, well, I mean, surface level answer. Um, you said that the fourth edition version of Sphere of Annihilation was too friendly for your taste, so you're going to the three five. <laughs> so you're going to the so, more so evil why, version. So why would you go to the worst version and then just take their arm or their? Well, arm? because he said the gloves are off. Well, that's exactly yeah, that's right. A, yeah. I mean, so now there, so that's that's just like here, here's the words in the email, and here's the answer. But there's obviously a deeper answer to it. Well, I mean, this is this is how I would like to say uh, view it. Excuse me. This is a sphere of, of intense magical energy. Um, I like to kind of. I, I would imagine it's kind of like a dragon orb. The second your hands come in contact with it. You are in a battle of will. And more than likely, your will is not strong enough, so you completely die. Yeah, you I mean, vaporize. it vaporizes you. Um, another great example uh, of a, a magical artifact that has a very similar power to this is Sharon's Claw from the R.A. Salvatore books. If you grab this and your will is not strong enough, it obliterates you. I mean, mm -hmm. it, and it, there's nothing left. Yeah. Um, and so, but you cannot let go. Once you've touched it, you know, you have to make, it's pretty much a will save against this sentient magic artifact. And if you don't make that save, you're dead. Yep, you Be because gone. you cannot let go and the magic just destroys you. Mm -hmm. So that's how I see this item working. 
in my in, in, this again is my yeah so, so it's not a matter of do they stick their arm in it's just the moment they touch it it's Ooh. yeah well it's the second immediate save throw you fail you're gone mm-hmm. because yeah. you cannot pull your arm back out you, you know the magic has taken hold yeah. and it does its job yeah any other thoughts hmm um, I actually kind of like the idea of, of losing a limb, even, mm-hmm. even though, you know, you, you're saying all gloves are off. Um, it, and this is just more of maybe a story arc and character mm-hmm. um, development style answer, but I, it would be interesting to have a hero that loses a limb in a game and then has to figure out how to be a hero without that limb. Oh, yeah. Oh, see, now that'd I, be sick. Now, to me, that trumps killing, like... If you say, all right, gloves are off, and this spell is really weak, so I'm going to do an even you know, even more badass version of this spell, and I've, I've warned you, and you're going to die, you stick your hand in there, you know, the easy the easy thing to do is kill the character. Yeah. The challenging That's... thing to do, and the better, the better thing to do for the story is to yeah. say, that limb is gone. It's gone. Like, you, you're not, you know, maybe a wish spell mm-hmm. could bring it back. Maybe. Maybe. But I would say probably not. But, yeah. you know, who whoever gets a chance to use a wish spell? Yeah, <laughs> I've never been able to use one. Um, some people out. in my group have, but I'm really devious. Where they have to word it very specifically. Because yeah. exactly how they word it is what they get. Yeah, sure. So, so to me, for the, for the sake of the story and the campaign and challenging your player... To really know their character and overcome adversity, make them lose the limb, and make them figure out how to proceed as a hero with that. I mean, really, it does come down to the oh, DM's man. decision, right? That's too good. It's so I mean, good. He, he, <laughs> too good. He already mentioned that, that it does really come down to the DM's decision. So you have the choice of, well, you know, my option where it obliterates you, or the other option where yeah. you lose it. You know, both are great. Yeah. Both have their difficulties and challenge, but, you know, it would it is a lot more fun, you know, because now, you know, at least on the, the, the tilting side of the story, this character now, it's just right, more than likely, they're reaching in with their right arm. Yeah, not because thinking about it. Because mo- most people don't use their yeah. off arm. This is the arm he's fought with, he's used to hold his sword mm-hmm. all of his life, and now suddenly, oh, you know, yeah. it's like Jamie Lannister, now I gotta fight yeah, with my left hand. Exactly. So this kind of this brings up a point. This is a, a game report that we talked about previously, mm-hmm. and I don't remember the episode, or I would totally reference it. Um, gosh, I'm trying to remember. And we're running episode. out of time. Yeah, you know what? I think I forgot my point. Oh gosh. Okay. Shoot. It was so good too. I, w- I would think though we can um, we might be able to reach we might be able to get a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. Yeah. In this one, just because. Um, yeah, like let's say we go with let's say we go with the uh, with Forger's response and we say okay you lose a limb. Well, think about this. So you suddenly have a, a limb is like completely vaporized off, but not like cauterized. Mm-hmm. And so he's got to deal with like the loss of hydrostatic pressure in the blood, and he could you could you could die yeah. from that by yeah. suddenly losing a limb. He goes into shock and stuff like that, unless he's got like an able healer or something yeah. nearby, and then and then perhaps the, the hero survives and then has to deal with mm-hmm. and then but also I think go through the the, 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 the trauma because it's like the, not just not just for the hero losing the arm but for everyone else 
for watching a limb become vaporized. <laughs> oh yeah, and then watching the blood spray everywhere. It's like that is gonna mess up even yeah. the okay. Well, okay, so let's kind of use yeah. the idea of both. You see this person stick their hand in, and then you watch as the arm is shredded and ripped apart, and you know blood yeah. is flying everywhere. You know, oh yeah, ev- you know, yeah, make that skin bone just. In itself. You're, yeah. you're watching this just, you know. Rip apart well, in what front was, of you. I, well, I think that would be a good idea. And, w- and what was the? They kind of set up these like skill encounters at mm-hmm. one point, right? Where it was like you need to do this, so you need to pass a jump check, and then mm-hmm. an, you know, and it was like you would set up a couple like a chain of skill checks. Yeah. And so you could do the same thing where it's like, okay, you've hit that, you've lost your hand, right? Mm-hmm. Now it's make a reflex save or a will save or whatever you come up with to try to get your arm back. Right. So otherwise, so, it's gonna keep. Yeah. Going. So now your forearm, you're at the elbow. Yeah. Now it's your. Oh. Now it's your upper arm. Right. So I mean, but then think about think of think about if you put your hand in, and you lost your hand, or maybe you lost half of your forearm. Mm-hmm. Like think about think about a disabled warrior who oh, yeah. figured out a way to strap a sword to their to their forearm. Well, look at like <laughs> just look at Az- Azog from the right. Hobbit. Right. But <laughs> it, but on. it's I mean but think about that because that is also. Really badass and it cool is. for the story. You have to figure out how um, to jam a trident through your arm. Right. And, and because we're referencing the dungeon master, I, I I remember my point. We talked previously about um, talking about potentially killing a character in the game and how um, it's really it, it it can really suck for a player to oh, yeah. lose yeah. to lose a character. So maybe this is something where um, you just have a note card sitting behind the dungeon master screen that says. Um, uh, do you want your character to die, yes or no? And if someone touches that spear, you the, the sphere, you just slide them that note card, make them circle an answer, and slide it back to you, right? And so, if that comes back and it says, yes, I want my character to die. Mm-hmm. Okay, now you know, mm-hmm. uh, or like, do you want your character to die and re-roll a new one, right? Yeah. So now, it's, now it is the player's choice, which is always... You know that that's important in the game. Yeah, absolutely. You're not taking yeah. control right. away from that. Right. So now it's okay. It comes back. Yes. Okay. They hit the sphere of annihilation. Boom. Sucked in. They're dead. Yeah. Or if the answer comes back no, okay, you've lost a hand or an arm, and we're gonna proceed without that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So so that again, it it maintains the fact that the character is in control. The player is in control of their character, mm-hmm. and the dungeon master is there to help facilitate a good story. Right. So. I would really like to know what triggered the gloves are off. So if you want to write in, let us know. Maybe our answer will change. Yeah, but I I really want to know the follow up. Like I want to know what actually <laughs> yeah, what happens. happens. Yeah. yeah so All right. Please write in. On With that said, we have to wrap the show up because our time is over. Uh, that's it. It's over. Oh We're out of here. Uh, these shows go by so very fast. quickly. Uh, but tune in for Thursday's show. We'll have Yugi Media and maybe someone else. Uh-huh. So, maybe. So, you'll, you'll be able to see who the someone maybe is um, yeah. uh, by going to DungeonCallersRadio.com. Uh, the best thing you could do is subscribe with your email address right on the homepage. And that way, when we put up a new post, a new announcement, a new article, it's going to shoot directly to your to your inbox. And so when we, if we put up that announcement, hey, guess who this super awesome person is that's going to be on the show? You'll know, you'll know about it immediately. Right. With that said, we're out of here. Bye. See you on Thursday. Oh, yeah, good night, Salt Lake. Good night, world. And as always, please get more from your games. Geek up. Do you want more great shows like tonight's show? Then help support Dungeon Crawlers Radio by going to www.patreon.com forward slash Dungeon Crawlers Radio. 
Simply choose your level of support and join the Geek Revolution. Excellent!